Well, good morning. You know, first hour was a lot louder than that. It's a joy to be here with you all as we worship our Lord together. We are continuing the series that Steve began last week titled, Get After It, God's Provision for Your Growth. The goal of this series is for us as Grace Bible Church to be reminded and equipped, and I hope inspired, to run hard for Christ in 2024. In this month where we make resolutions for the year and we decide what's going to be important for us, we need to be thinking about our souls, Christian. I am certain that if you are in Christ, you have been, and that you have an ache in your soul to be closer to your Savior. And I want to show you how God has already provided for you so you can draw closer to him. That's why we're doing this three-part series. We need to jumpstart our spiritual batteries and remind ourselves of what truly matters in life. We need to lift our eyes and our hearts up to the God who created the world and see his glory and be overwhelmed by his majesty and delight in his beauty. And the way that we do that is to take hold of God's provision for our growth. God has given us the Bible and prayer and the local church. And when we are faithful to read and study and memorize our Bibles, and when we are faithful in prayer, and when we are faithful to be wholeheartedly engaged in the local church, we will grow in Christ-likeness. I hope you want that. Because this is how God has ordained our sanctification. And so this week we are going to talk about the role of prayer in our growth in Christ-likeness. And in pursuit of that goal, we are going to think about how we can pray more faithfully to God. We're going to ask the question, what is prayer? And then we will look at five ways that we can draw near to God in prayer so we can look more like Christ. This is by no means an exhaustive list or discussion of prayer. There is just not time to cover everything. But I am confident, Christian, that if we draw near to God in these five ways, we will look more like Jesus at the end of 2024 than we do right now. We will love our Savior and uh, know Him more deeply and live for Him more fully than we do today. I'm excited to get into it, but before we do, I wanted to show you some helpful resources on the subject of prayer. You can see them on the slide behind me. Much of the material I have for you today was either taken or inspired by what I learned from these books. And if you desire to learn more about prayer after today, these books can be of help to to you as well. But I want to point out that the Bible is in the middle of that slide for a reason Because other authors can teach us much about prayer. Other books can be helpful for our understanding of prayer, but there is no substitute for your Bible. Christian, if you want to grow in your prayer life, you need to search God's Word for yourself. It is loaded with instruction on prayer and saturated with examples of how you can pray. The Bible is where you will find power to grow in your prayer life. So by all means, please feel free to read the books on the screen. I would encourage that. But please, do not neglect your Bible. God himself has spoken to you through his word, and he has told you how to pray. So let's pray and ask our Lord for help, and then we'll dig into this. 
And Jesus, as we come before you, I am thankful for the way you were willing to come to this earth. Be the sacrificial lamb that we could not be and we had no hope of being and we did not desire to be. You made a way for us to know you. And because of your work, we can pray to you. So would you please help us this morning to understand prayer your way. And I even ask that you would encourage us and build us up and fill us with a desire to draw near to you in prayer so we can know more of who you are and worship you with all of our life. In your name we pray, amen. So let's look at what is prayer. A lot of times when I think about what something is, I find it helpful to first think about what prayer is not, and so that's what we're going to do. Christian, you probably know this already, but I'm going to say it out loud. Prayer is not something we do. That is so shallow and gross. Prayer is not a box to check on the list of our daily Christian life. Prayer is not a debate. Prayer is not enticing God or compelling God to meet our whims outside his will. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6 that prayer is not a performance for other people, where we try to impress them with our righteousness or our deep theological vocabularies. Prayer is not something we do to impress God. John 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is our life source. Anything good that we can do for the name and glory of God was a gift that he gave to us. So we do not pray to impress God. Prayer is also not meaningless repetition where we keep saying the same thing over and over and over because we don't know what else to say. Prayer is not empty phrases spoken by our mouth with our heart focused on something else. That is not prayer. What prayer is, is a relationship with God. And we need to remember that the relationship of our prayer life was made possible when God the Father chose us to be saved and Jesus paid the penalty of our sin on the cross and the Holy Spirit came and dwelt in us. Genuine, heartfelt prayer to God is something we do because we are saved. So prayer is a relationship that was made possible by God's divine pleasure and purpose. Prayer is also communication with God. We don't pray to ourselves or to other people or any of the idols in the land. We pray to Yahweh, the almighty God of the Bible who spoke the world into existence and upholds the universe by his power and rules over all things as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Prayer is a divine miracle where we are granted free access into our king's throne room at any time and we can communicate with him. So prayer is a relationship and prayer is communication, but there's one more thing I want to mention. Prayer is fundamentally the action of drawing near to God. As I've been praying a lot this week and thinking about how prayer helps us grow in Christ-likeness and studying the Bible and other resources, I've become convinced that this is really important, friends. We know that God is near to us. 
Philippians 4, 5 and Psalm 34, 18 and Psalm 139, 7 to 10 and other passages tell us that God is near. And yet, at the same time, our hearts can be far from God. We can read the Bible and memorize it with cold hearts. We can push God to the back of our minds and run after temptation. We can even ignore God while we pray. We can refuse to see his beauty and glory. We can be like the hypocritical Pharisees who Jesus said in Matthew 15, 8, honor me with their lips while their heart is far away from me. And friends, if we pray like that, with distracted and cold hearts, we will feel discouraged and defeated in our prayer lives. We will be frustrated that we do not love Jesus the way we know we should, and we will wonder why we're not grown in Christ-likeness. Friends, if we are going to grow in Christ, then we need to understand that God-honoring prayer is an action of our hearts where we draw near to our Savior. We must draw near to God like David sought after God's face in Psalm 27, 8. We must draw near to God with an all-consuming desire to see God's glory like Moses in Exodus 33, 18. We must draw near to God in delight and worship like Mary in Luke 2. We must draw near to God in complete transparency like Hannah in 1 Samuel 1, 10, and 11. We must draw near to God with focused desperation like the bleeding woman in Mark 5, 25 to 34, who knew that if she could just get close enough to Jesus, she would be healed. We must draw near to God like the father of the demon-possessed boy in Mark 9, 24, who was utterly powerless to help his son, and he wanted to believe that Jesus could do it, but he couldn't. And so in broken humility, he cried out, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. We must draw near to God like the tax collector in Luke 18, 13, who saw his depravity and beat his chest and cried out to God, be merciful to me, the sinner. In all of these examples, while they are not all praying, there is a common theme of people drawing near to God with the fullness of all that they are. Some were weak and broken and crying out to God to help them. Others were leaping toward God with joy and delight and worship. But they were all drawing near to God with the full strength of all that they were. And friends, if we want to grow in Christ's likeness, that is how we must pray. We need to draw near to God with all that we are from the fullness of our hearts and approach the throne of grace where our great high priest is so we can find mercy and grace to be like Christ. So how do we do that? Well, here are five ways that we can draw near to God in prayer that I hope you find helpful. First, we draw near to God by recognizing that he desires to hear our prayers. I find this to be so encouraging. When Jesus teaches the disciples how to pray in Matthew 6, 9, he starts with the word, Father. Prayer starts with the fatherhood of God. Sometimes I think we envy the eloquence of the Puritans' prayers, or we are amazed at the prayers of godly people around us, or we're intimidated by the prayers that we see in the Bible. But Jesus tells us something so helpful here in Matthew 6, 9. 
prayer is a child asking her father for help. Nothing more, nothing less. Jesus did something amazing in Matthew 6-9. He did something he did not have to do. Jesus is the only Son of God, but then he invited believers to share in that relationship with him. John 1.12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. By faith we are united in Christ, and now we get to pray to the same Father that Jesus does. We get to experience the deep love and close relationship that Jesus does with his Father. Do not miss the astounding encouragement of what Jesus is saying in Matthew 6, 9. We are in Christ, and when we pray to our Father, he will no more reject our prayers than he would reject the prayers of his own Son. So we draw near to God in prayer when we recognize that we are God's children, and we believe that our Father desires to hear our prayers. God the Father is just as ready to hear your prayer as he was to hear the prayer of Jesus. That is so beautiful. Prayer is not a skill that we have to acquire. Prayer is simply the action of a child drawing near to their father and asking him for help. I find it amazing that you don't have to teach a child to ask for things. All they know is that they need things. And that they're loved. And that's the encouragement that we have when we think about drawing near to God in prayer. We just need to know that we are needy and that God loves us. I've got a four-month-old baby at home right now, and he's making nonsense sounds and gurgles and burbles. And once in a while, he'll say something that sounds like mama. And I'll tell you, it doesn't matter if he's making nonsense sounds or saying mama or speaking in full sentences. When I hear him trying to communicate, my heart fills up with love. I want to be right there looking him in the eyes, listening to him jabber, and cuddling him in my arms. I'm not mocking him for not being able to say anything. I am overjoyed that he is trying to talk to me. And that is how our Father feels when we pray to Him. So Christian, do not be discouraged when you pray and feel like you have to do better. You don't need to do better. You need to remember that your Father loves to hear you, even if your prayer is groaning and stammering. It's so beautiful to know that. 1 John 3, 1 says, See how great a love the Father has given to us, that we would be called children of God. God made his own perfect and holy Son to be sin for us so we can call him Father. And God became our Father so we can pray to him. Christian, when we understand that, when we understand that we are God's very own precious blood-bought child that he delights in and loves with unconditional affection, we want to draw near to our Father. How can we not? We don't want to do prayer. We want to be with our Father in prayer because he is excited to hear us. And we want to pray to our Father because we have that childlike faith that says, you can fix it, Dad. You can help me kill my sin. You 
can help me love you more. You can help me be more like Jesus. Friends, our Father is greater than the world, and as we see his love for us, his children, our hearts desire to draw near to him in prayer. Let's look at our next point. We draw near to God in prayer when we worship him in humble reverence. So here's how I want us to think in this section. Let's take that astounding glory of knowing that God is our Father and elevate our thinking even farther. God is not just our Father. As amazing and glorious as it is to know that, it stacks amazement on top of amazement to also know that Jesus is Lord. Just listen to these verses as I read them. Philippians 2.9 says, God highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him the name which is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In Revelation 5, as John witnesses the glorious cacophony of praise and worship in heaven, he sees the four living creatures and the 24 elders fall down before Jesus the Lamb, and they sing at the top of their lungs, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and purchased for God with your blood people from every tribe and tongue and nation. And then the angels join in and they all shout, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and then every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them can no longer be quiet but shout to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be the blessing and the honor and the glory and the might forever and ever. Fast forward to Revelation 15, verses 3 and 4, and we find a song resounding from heaven. And it says, And they sang the song of Moses, the slave of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God, the Almighty. Righteous and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all the nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. There are many passages like these in the Bible. And friends, I read verses like these because I believe we have a tendency to become so familiar with our Savior that we fail to be humble and reverent. We forget that our Savior is also a king, and he is high and lifted up, and he has a name that's greater than all other names. Jesus is Yahweh. He is holy and righteous and just. Our God is not like us, Christian. That is good, because we could not be saved if he was like us. But that should also be sobering. Jesus Christ is Lord Heaven is filled with his praises. He is God, the Almighty, righteous and true, King of the nations. He is worthy of all power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing, and he will have praise from all the world. For at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
So holy is our God, and so high and lifted up, and so zealous for his glory is he, that he will take his glory from the world if they do not give it to him. Our God is holy and righteous and just. And just think about how people in the Bible responded when they caught glimpses of him. When Abram heard God Almighty speak and make a covenant with him in Genesis 17, he fell on his face. When Moses saw a sliver of God's glory in Exodus 33, he fell on his face and worshipped him. When Ezekiel saw the vision of the glory of Yahweh, Ezekiel 1.28 shows he was so overwhelmed that he fell on his face. When Peter, James, and John heard the voice of God on the Mount of Transfiguration, they fell on their faces When the Roman cohort and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees came to arrest Jesus in the garden, John 18, 6 says, When Jesus identified himself, they drew back and fell to the ground. Acts 9, 4 says, When Paul saw the light from heaven on his way to Damascus, he fell to the ground. In Revelation 1, 17, when John had a vision of Jesus in heaven, he fell at his feet like a dead man. Christian. Are you so overwhelmed with the greatness and majesty and holiness and glory of God that you fall on your face in humility and worship your king in reverence when you pray to him? Do you see God in his word like these men and wonder from your heart in amazement that he would love you, a sinner, an enemy, a wretch, Does it strike you to your soul that a God this big and powerful and majestic and glorious would make himself your father? Does it stun your heart that God is a king who sits on a throne in high in heaven and yet he loves to hear you pray to him? To know that he has all the time in the world for you and he understands your weakness and cares for your needs. Does that bring you to your knees in worship of your king as you pray with delight to your father? Or do you shrug your shoulders and yawn as you allow your mind to be distracted with things of the world? Christian, God is worth so much more than our half-hearted, very distracted effort to worship him in prayer. We need to fight to be filled with humility and reverence for God so we can worship him like he deserves. We need to be like the father of the demon-possessed boy in Mark 9, 24 and say, God, I believe in you. I want to worship you like this, but I can't. My weakness is disgusting. I need your help. I know you love me, so will you help my unbelief? Will you let me see your glory and strike me down with your beauty and flood my soul with your majesty? Will you do whatever it takes or take away whatever you must so I can worship you like you deserve? We need to humble our hearts and approach our king like that. And tremble at his word like Isaiah 66.2 says. 
And we need to run to our Father like a child and be filled with confidence that when we ask Him for help like this, He will love to help us. Christian, if you pray like this and draw near to God in humble, reverent worship as you remember who He is and you persist in this and you fight for this and beg God for help in this, He will show you His glory. And you will find yourself growing in Christ's likeness as your life and your prayer becomes more and more consumed with worshiping your God. Let's look at our next point. We draw near to God in prayer when we delight in God alone. What I hope to help us remember in this point is that God himself is the greatest answer to our prayer and he is the greatest pursuit in our prayer. We've all experienced times in our life where we've prayed for something and it wasn't answered, right? There's times when we're in a heavy trial and we're suffering like Job and we just want God to explain why, but our prayers are not answered. There are times when we pray for things we desire and those prayers are left unanswered and we feel unsatisfied. There are times we think we know what's best. And we pray about it. And we embark on that best course of action. But then the plans fail and everything falls apart. And we are left confused and disturbed. And we find ourselves asking a question that goes something like this. Why isn't God answering my prayer? But I think maybe what we are really asking is, God, why are you not giving me what I think is best. Sometimes God does not answer prayer the way we think he should, and then we question God's goodness and doubt his faithfulness, and then we begin to murmur and grumble against God like the Israelites as they wandered in the wilderness in between Egypt and the promised land, because all we can see is we don't have that thing or relationship or circumstance or child or job or whatever it is that we think we need to have to be satisfied. And so we sin. But what we need to remember is that sometimes in God's perfect plan as our Father, He decides that the best answer to our prayer is not to give us what we are asking for. Because sometimes we have magnified that desire to a sinful idol. And James 4.3 says, You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so you may spend it on your pleasures. Friends, when we covet what we do not have, we make sinful demands of God. And so God does not answer our prayer because he is too loving and too kind to let us sin against him by having what we desire in that moment. Sometimes God strips away what we hold dear or refuses to give us what we want so we can learn to hold dearly to God. And that is the real blessing. Because when we learn to draw near to God himself, not because we want something, but because we want him, we learn to delight in God alone. Our prayers are changed from selfish desires to worship of God that delights in his nearness to us. We can learn over time to say with Paul in Philippians 1.21, no matter the circumstance, no matter what happens, no matter what I have or do not have, to live is Christ. 
and to die is gain. We see the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, and we become content in Christ alone. Our prayers change then. Our hearts ache to be near to our Savior. And our prayer is not that God would change and bend himself to our will, but that we would be bent and surrender to his will so we may live for God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength in every situation. This is the ultimate sense of delighting in God. When our love for him and our joy in him and our satisfaction in him is greater than all our other desires, God becomes not only the one who answers prayer, he also becomes the ultimate answer to our prayers. That's what it means to delight in God alone. And Christian, when we pursue him like this in our hearts and our prayers, we will grow in Christ-likeness because we are seeking Christ in every area of our life. We will become a more and more clear imitation of Jesus as he prayed in the garden with drops of blood sweating down his body as he prayed, Father, not my will, but yours be done. So Christian, do not be discouraged if you see that God is not answering your prayer. Instead, be encouraged because God is showing you the beauty of satisfaction and submission to him where you delight in God alone. If God is not answering your prayers, do not stop praying, Christian. Instead, pray that God would cause you to delight in him more than anything else. Let's look at our next point and see that we draw near to God in prayer when we use scripture and pray according to God's will. So here's something I've really learned in my soul over the last year or so. You probably already know this, but it is immensely helpful for me as I have tried to draw near to God in prayer to pray with my Bible open. I can't claim this is my own idea. I heard it from a fellow brother in Christ and the Holy Spirit pressed the importance of doing this into my soul and it has helped me pray God's will, God's way from my heart. Here's what praying with our Bible open does. It makes us wrestle in our hearts with God's truth instead of reading over it and forgetting it. Praying with our Bible open makes us slow down and examine our lives and see if we are faithful to God or in sin against God. Praying with our Bible open helps us care for other people more than we have before. And it builds in us a love for Jesus like we have never had before. And I believe that it does that because God is showing us more of himself when we pray through his word. We can see the raw honesty in the Psalms where the psalmist take their struggles to God and wrestle through them as they apply God's promises and God's truth to their situation. And we can pray like that. We can see Paul's prayers and how he desires salvation and growth in Christ for all people. We can see his trust for the Lord. We can see how Christ-centered he is and how he desires the Lord's glory in all things, and we can pray like that. We can be convicted by the commands of Scripture and run to God and confess our sin against him like the prodigal son. We can read passages that magnify our Lord like those we read in Philippians and Revelation and worship him with fear and trembling. 
We can see God's promises and God's character in the Bible, and we can pray to God and plead to God to keep those promises and act according to his nature and rule over nations and save his people and hold us fast and show us his glory. We can see his provision to flee temptation and run to him, and we can pray for that. We can see his instruction to be bold in proclaiming the gospel to the world and be filled with compassion for the lost and build each other up in Christ and grow in unity of the Spirit. And we can pray for that. When you really look at Scripture, there is an abundance of opportunity to pray Scripture back to God. And God loves to hear us do that because prayer is a two-way conversation. We can't just talk to God all day long. We also need to listen to Him. And we don't listen to God by emptying our minds like a meditating monk on a mountain. No, we listen to God by filling our minds with the Bible because the Bible is God's inspired, inerrant, infallible word to us. And when we remember that God is our Father who loves to hear our prayers and we worship God with humble reverence and we delight in God alone and we fill our mind with Scripture as we draw near to God in prayer with all of our being, Christian, you will learn something. You will find your heart increasingly reflecting the heart of God. And that will be seen in your prayers. It is astounding to me that God would let us share his heart in prayer. And as your heart and prayer life increasingly reflects the heart of God, you will find your prayers being answered. Jesus promises in John 15, 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. What an amazing promise that is. George Mueller lived by this. He is a man who is famous because of so many of his prayers were answered by God. But I believe that his prayers were answered by God because he was a man of Scripture. He is said to have read the entire Bible over 200 times in his life. And more than 100 times of those, he read his Bible on his knees as he was praying. Well, friends, we should seek to be like that. We should read our Bibles as we are on our knees in prayer. And if you do that, I am confident that as you pray God's will, God's way from your heart, you will find God answering prayer in ways you never dreamed of. You will believe, Ephesians 3.20, that God is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think because he is doing that in front of your own eyes. And then your prayers will become even bigger and bolder and more focused on the glory of God. And you will worship him with more of your heart as you see who he is and continually draw near to him in prayer. Christian, do you want that? I long for that. If you want to grow in 2024, then draw near to God by praying from your heart with your Bible open. Be humble and ask God for help and pray his word back to him. Work it through in your heart. Wrestle with his word and submit to it in your soul. Pray like this in your devotions and in your grace group and when you're with brothers and sisters in Christ. Pray like this for yourself and for our church and for our nation and for the world and see how God opens your eyes to what he is doing 
as you fall on your face and worship him. Let's look at our last point. If we want to grow in Christ-likeness in 2024, we must exercise discipline to prioritize prayer. Christian, I hope you're filled with a desire to draw near to God and pray like we've been talking about. But the reality is that a faithful prayer life like this does not happen by wishes and accidents. A faithful prayer life like this develops over time as we are disciplined to exercise it and build it in God's power for His glory. A strong prayer life is like being a bodybuilder. It takes time to build up that spiritual muscle. And you lose it real quick if you stop exercising. So we need to be disciplined in prayer. But at the same time, I want to encourage all the believers here that we are on the same playing field. We have all, each of us, been equipped with what we need to have faithful prayer lives. Friends, no matter who you are, you can pray like George Mueller. We are in Christ. We are children of God the Father. We have the Holy Spirit. We have God's Word, and we have each other. We can do this. We can obey Paul's command in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 and pray without ceasing we can pray with endurance like Jesus instructed in Luke 18.1. And we should want to, because that's how Jesus prayed. Sometime you should do a study through the Gospels of Jesus' prayer life. Because if you do that, you will find the best example of a faithful prayer life. Jesus prayed by himself, and he prayed with crowds. He prayed early in the morning during the day, in the evenings, and in the nights. He prayed in times of sorrow, in times of joy. Jesus prayed for himself, and he prayed for others. He prayed to give thanks and to petition the Father for needs and to praise his Father. Jesus prayed when he was baptized. He prayed before he selected the 12 disciples. He prayed before feeding the 5,000 and the 4,000. He prayed in the garden. He prayed on the cross, and he prayed as he drew his last breath. And Christian, if Jesus, the Son of God, prioritized prayer like that, what do you think we should do? We must be completely dependent on our Savior, and that should be reflected in our prayer life. And Jesus himself said in John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. Friends, do you believe that in the bottom of your soul? Do you see your desperate need for Jesus to help you pray to him? And are you filled with desire and need to draw near to God in prayer? If so, then Christian, here at the start of 2024, we have a perfect opportunity to prioritize prayer like Jesus but if we are going to prioritize prayer like Jesus this year, that means we have to remove other priorities in our lives. Because our lives are already full, aren't they? We need to make room for a Christ-honoring prayer life like this. So I would encourage you, take stock of your schedule and see what has been occupying your time. What has been worth more than prayer to you in the past? 
Has entertainment or social media or sports or shopping or your phone consumed your time? Have you desired sleep or other things more than you have desired prayer? Have you allowed things of the world to drag your mind down into the muck of sin and death so it feels almost impossible to lift your eyes up and see your Savior and pray to Him? Christian, if we are going to successfully discipline ourselves to prioritize prayer this year, we need to make sacrifices. We need to decide what we're going to give up so we can gain a deeper relationship with God as we draw near to Him in prayer. I know that's hard, but can I encourage you for a moment? The pain of change is worth the fruit of a faithful prayer life. Resetting a broken bone hurts, but it's necessary so it can heal. And when we sacrifice other things and reset our life to prioritize prayer, we set up our lives to draw near to God and recognize that God desires to hear our prayers and worship God in humble reverence and seek to delight in Him alone and pray God's word, God's way for His glory. And then you will grow in Christ's likeness, Christian. You will draw near to God in prayer. Starting is hard just like it's hard to start working out. When you start, you're going to have aches and pains where you didn't even know you had spiritual muscles. Your prayers might feel lifeless or dull. Your minds may be assaulted with distraction and temptation. Your heart may be filled with pride and laziness, but Christian, it is worth the fight. And the more you draw near to your God in prayer and behold his glory and worship his majesty and rest in his loving hand, the more you will believe that a faithful prayer life like this is worth it. So take heart and commit yourself to draw near to God in prayer this year. But friends, I wonder if there are some of you here today who do not desire to pray like this. And you are not filled with need to draw near to God on your knees because you are not saved. Maybe you pray. Maybe you do. But primarily you pray in public and rarely on your knees in private. And when you do pray, you are praying to get blessings from God or to escape situations you don't like. But you never pray to draw near to God and surrender to Him and pick up your cross and follow Him. If that's you this morning, I would encourage you to examine your heart. Are you truly saved? Are you here this morning to worship your Savior? Or are you here trying to speak to God with your lips while your heart is far from Him? If that's you, then listen to the warning that Jesus gives in Matthew 7, 21 to 23. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, in your name did we not prophesy, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name do many miracles. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. 
Friends, are you praying, Lord, Lord, with your lips or your heart? You need to know the answer to that question because your soul is at stake and God is a righteous judge who will send you to hell if you are not saved. I know that's hard to hear, but I say it because I care about you and I want you to be worshiping Jesus in heaven with me one day. I do not want you to think you're fine only to be filled with terror one day as God says, I never knew you. So friend, if that is you, be concerned for your soul, but also hear the great hope that Jesus offers to you. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4 says, Christ died for our sins and he was buried and he rose again on the third day. And Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is God's amazing promise to you. You can be saved when you repent of your sin against God and turn to Jesus to save you and surrender to him as your Lord. And I would beg you, go to Jesus today. He says in John 6, 37, the one who comes to me I will never cast out. When you draw near to Jesus, you can be saved.